0: Yeah, so we're back on the Creative Process podcast, this time with Craig Burgess from Genius Division. Do you want to intro yourself and tell me a little bit about Genius Division and what you do?
1: Uh, Where where shall I start? Uh, I am a graphic designer by trade. My parents don't know what I do for a living. Um, They think I fix printers for a living. I suppose that's a good place to start, isn't it? That's anyone who works in creative. Or anybody who uses a computer for a, for a living, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, so I'm creative director at Genius Division. I, I've been doing that since 2010 for my sins. Um, coming up 18, 20 years as a designer now. Yeah, it's it, it's like magic. Seriously, it it still feels like magic now. I and I've got a, a friend who always says to me, "How how do you come up with these ideas?" You know. And I remember when I first started looking at design back when I was 18. And it's like, previous to that, you've been watching a magician do a trick and then suddenly you get shown behind the scenes and you're like, oh, that's how they do that. That's how they do this. That's how they do that. And then you want to do the same. Mm-hmm. And it it's creativity in all its form is tantamount to magic because any medium you pick, be it film production, video production, graphic design, art, whatever it is, there's a there's a period of time between you having no idea and suddenly having an idea, and you're not sure how that process happens. You know, pe- you know, people will make up bullshit and they'll they'll say, "Oh, yeah, I've got this trademarks process that I go through to find those ideas." But the truth is that anybody who, who, who is a, a true creative and doing creative things does not know how they get that idea, and even like twenty years later i don't know where some of those ideas come from it's it's magic man and it's it's fun to be a part of because there's not many other careers like that
0: yeah it is magic and then you end up especially in the case of kind of uh movies and film production you end up being that annoying guy then that spoils it for everyone else (laughs) we're just like oh do do you know how they achieved that shot or yeah i've seen this behind the scenes and you completely you end up ruining the magic for yourself and then therefore everyone else that's why my wife hates watching films with me
1: I love that side of stuff for films, though. They don't, I don't think they show enough behind-the-scenes film stuff. Mm-hmm. You could make another film about behind-the-scenes of a film, and they never show enough of that. And I love seeing, especially if it's got crazy special effects and stuff like that, or practical effects, mm-hmm. I love watching stuff like that. And they don't show it enough.
0: Yeah, same. I think we've lost a bit of that the more we've moved away from uh, you know DVDs and Blu-rays, the more streaming we do, because I know some platforms include extras and things like that, but... Um, I watched one recently that I, I kind of accidentally came across after watching like, *Evil Dead Rise*. Know mm. some behind the scenes from that, and it was fucking brilliant. Like because there's so many special effects in it, and you sit watching. Again, you can watch this video for half an hour on the process of how something was made. Especially if you've seen it beforehand, and you have watched it, and it's kind of drawn your attention, and it's yeah, it's like magic. And then suddenly have someone break it down in front of you. And especially, I, I, I assume it applies. You know, in all the you know, creative industries as well. If you get a behind the scenes look of how something's done, that's when, you, when your focus is completely broadened and you, you suddenly go from this, here's something, you know, some kind of visual medium that I think's amazing and then someone shows you how to do it or how it's done. And yeah, it breaks a bit of the magic, but then it opens up another door where you're like, I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when it gets exciting.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because really being part of any of these mediums is just figuring out, The magic tricks right Mm -hmm. figuring out how how you do this stuff uh, and having a a bank of ideas in your head for when a problem comes along you have a solution ready to go for it not as in not as in doing the same thing every time but Mm -hmm. knowing a technique to be able to achieve something yeah um that's definitely part of you know being a more experienced creative and where it comes from that you you have a bank of ideas ready Mm -hmm. to come I, th- I think you're right to some extent as well. A lot of that magic's gone. W- with, uh, I don't want to get too negative about it, but, but with the way it is now, you can figure out anything on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I think a part of the magic is lost when you, you there's no effort spent to learn how something is done. Mm-hmm. Part of ingraining it in you and practicing is that you had to figure it out yourself. And I, th- I think that embeds that knowledge a bit better If you didn't have to, uh, if you didn't have the option to just go on YouTube and go uh, how to make Mm an ex and wife or so and so, you know, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think a a key part of success is failure, isn't it? So if you're never actually taking creative chances or experimenting or just trying to figure things out and you're never failing and then you're never kind of using that failure as like a lesson. Uh, the, the amount of times I've I've seen things online you know, certain techniques on how to make videos or special effects and then giving it a go and you know it's fallen on its ass it's just it, you know you just think it, it's not always a, a positive thing in the moment but then moving forward you kind of you figure that out through that failure on how to do it better next time or how to do it correctly and then like you said you've got that in the arsenal then you know it's something that you can do I'm a big fan of you know um, tutorials on YouTube but I think to a certain degree, you've got to know what you're, you're looking for rather than just mm. saying, someone just throw all this information at me and give me all the, you know, the fastest routes to get there. Mm. I think it's great that all that material's online, but then, yeah, I agree that there's, there's a certain amount of a struggle that you need to go through to kind of figure things out. I think there's a bit of a fear moving forward that anyone in the creative field can just kind of get anything they want at an instant, but then over time, how much is that going to affect the creative output if we're just relying on AI that's been fed, you know, a limited amount of information till this point, where is there gonna be any kind of break for like innovation in that space if people aren't people aren't trying new things? Oh, everybody
1: hates AI, don't they? Everybody <laughs> hates AI. I, I think there's two sides to it though, isn't there? There's AI is 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 okay for technique type stuff. So how do I do X or Y? Mm-hmm. That that's okay. The, I think the issue becomes when you're using it for ideas. Yep. So as creators, we're being hired for our ideas, which are in our head, right? Um, so if we're using AI to find those ideas, then we're not using our own head anymore. Plus we're using, yes, AI language model, which is taking things from things that already exist. So you, you can never come up with a unique or new idea, not necessarily that that should be the goal, but you can never come up with a unique or new perspective when using AI because it's only using things that already existed. So I think it's it's okay to use AI, but not for ideas generation. I think the, the ideas generation bit is the struggle as a creative. That's the bit that needs to come out of the head because that is your creative mind and that's what you're being hired for. The technique and how you make it and how it gets produced out the other end, that's fine. But what i'm seeing more and more of i used to teach people design and web design and things like that for about 10 years um and what i saw more and more of over the years and this was before ai so imagine what it's like now what i saw more and more of is people obsessing over techniques Mm -hmm. so they use youtube and various other ways to learn techniques Uh, and i used to see the mistake all the time A, a, a new designer they want to know the most techniques because they think that's what a designer is—somebody mm-hmm. who's proficient in Photoshop or Figma or Framer or whatever the flavor of the month is. The truth is that a designer is not the technique. You couldn't know no techniques. You're the designer is the 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 ones with the best ideas, right? The 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 one who can figure out right. Um, we we want to make a, a, a logo for this new bakery, but it's a hip new bakery what's the logo going to look like you want the designer who can explain what the logo is going to look like he might not be able to technically produce it but you want the one with the idea of the multitude of ideas and i saw more and more of a focus on technical proficiency over ideas generation or originality um, and i and i see that getting worse and worse and worse the the only the most thing you see on, online because they do well in algorithms, is how to make X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. How to make a logo for a bakery. How to make um, a video for a Hollywood blockbuster. Or how to, how to replicate this effect from the Avengers movie. That's what you see. You don't see people discussing the creative process. You don't see people talking about how to make an idea. Because that, that is, like I said, the magic. That's the bit that you have to train and work on. Ultimately that's the bit that people are getting lazy on because they can hide behind the fact that they're technically proficient rather than have any original ideas or anything. That's where I AI I, I think potentially will make things worse because you you can just come out the other end and and just ask AI to give you the ideas. You can punch into Chat GPT now, give me ten blog post ideas for making a podcast about creativity. And that's
0: it, you're done. Mm-hmm.
1: No thinking needed.
0: I've been found out. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting what you say though when it comes down to technical proficiency because what you see a lot of is there are certain YouTubers that I follow that have established their own style of content, their own style of shooting and editing over the years and that becomes popular and then you've got a whole series of other creators that come out of the woodwork that kind of perfect that formula and their focus is on Pete McKinnon for example. How does he shoot? What does he shoot? How does he color grade? Then how does he edit it? And then, you know, where does he put that out as a YouTuber? They follow that exact format and, you know, it looks incredible. But what they're actually shooting has got no resonance with who they are as a person. Yeah. It's Yeah. None of that is their their own idea or part of their own journey. They've perfected what they think is the formula formula to success. And ironically then, Pete McKinnon recently turns around and he's, he says, I'm not shooting digital photography anymore. I'm shooting, you know physical film and then all these other creators are left kind of like having perfected his formula and then they're either like well do i start shooting film now because he's doing that or do i just carry on doing what he used to do where whereas really yeah you're absolutely right if they're if the emphasis is more on taking inspiration from that in terms of like you know ideation and just how someone goes about Creating something for themselves, I think people get, and I've been guilty of it as well, is getting too caught up on. I love that kind of content that that person's making. I want to do that. Not necessarily thinking about whether it suits me or my lifestyle or skill set or just anything about me, getting carried away with executing the same sort of result or, God forbid, trying to do that to build an audience mm-hmm. and, you know, get likes or anything like that. And then you're ultimately just left with kind of content that is just a shell of someone else's content which to me relates to to ai and using that to come up with ideas because Mm -hmm. ultimately if if ideas are coming from our head they're still coming from our own experience of the world our own inspirations all that sort of stuff But for example if you're telling me someone becomes really technically proficient in photoshop and are an absolute photoshop genius but then actually the person they admire might be someone who's Who's produced a piece of design that's fucking amazing, but they have no idea how to use Photoshop, and they're the people that kind of innovate in the space. Are always the people that do things differently, but yeah. yet, as creatives, we're always striving to ironically do what they did to get where they are, which is yeah. which is just nuts. Yeah, I, I
1: yeah, I always find that weird as well. As I always always say that uh, a designer and even wider, a creative is a contrarian. We look at things and go, no, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it my way. But (laughs) ironically enough, like you said, we find ourselves in a situation where people go, oh no, I want to do it like that. Mm -hmm. And then we expect the same results as what they've got, but we're just copying them. So why would we ever get even a a, a proportion of what they've done doing the same thing? It's bizarre. Why do we always?
0: Do you think the issue is there that we're doing it as a profession, like being a professional creative? Because there's, there's there are certain things that I've done creatively that once I've started doing them professionally, you kind of lose a level of satisfaction. you're doing things Definitely. depending on where you're working or who you're working for. you're doing something that if I if you turn around to me and said, Liam I need you to, to create create me a, a video for my business and it needs to look in the vaguest way just professional. I'm gonna reference whatever is you know popularly professional in 2024 yeah and I'm gonna replicate that for your business which is gonna be completely different to what was professional 10 20 30 years ago mm-hmm. based on equipment based on shooting styles you you're essentially gonna follow a formula that's a quick win because I know the client's gonna like it I know that's kind of what's tagged up as professional and all that's fine but then from a creative standpoint that's kind of like the opposite of what your heart tells you to do sometimes or what you would be doing if if you know, if clients and money and everything wasn't a factor, would you actually just be out there with a camera or a paintbrush and just going a bit nuts? Again, because those people that do that are the ones that we end up looking up to and thinking, oh, "Shit, I wish I'd done that."
1: Well, uh, uh, there's kind of two sides to it, isn't there? It's, it's why I always have some kind of side project bubbling along because mm-hmm. you, you need an you need a creative outlet where there's no limits. But creativity works well under constraints as well. So if if the constraint is that you only have, I don't know, five thousand pound to make a video and it's got to be for this particular business, that's the constraints that you're dealing with in in that instance. Um, and, and I'd hope, and, and I know you would, I know I would, even though I don't make videos, you still try and put the stamp on it somehow that of, of the way that you make things. You still try and do that, even if the constraints are very tight. But I, th- I think the, 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 the issue becomes when if your side projects are also just copying somebody, then you don't have those ideas or those things to draw upon. You don't understand. If your side projects are the same as just making a boring video for a boring company, which is essentially what you're doing if you're just making YouTube videos to copy Matt Devella or however you say his name, if you're just trying to just copy him, then that's all you're going to bring to your actual work. That's why your side projects need to be, it crazy and and doing stuff that pushes the boundaries because you no one necessarily get to do that for clients every time
0: mm-hmm.
1: but there's always an opportunity to put to use something of that to put it into client work that the, the, i mean the phrase always is as soon as it's not a hobby anymore and you know as soon as you're getting paid for it to do it it's not a hobby anymore yeah, and yeah. you don't enjoy it as much it is much harder, but you, you have to find the places where you can still use something. You might not be able to use all of it, but use something. I remember my first job when I was going back to when I was 18. I got a job when I was 19 and I was still doing the course. And the first job I got was uh, as a graphic designer and, uh, and I was working to a price list. So, this company I worked for, they used to sell logos for 150 quid, websites for 400 quid. I think I'm remembering the, the prices right they were really cheap and obviously the other side of that was that I had to make things in a certain amount of time so I had to make I had an hour and a half for a logo I had three hours for a website and all these kind of things it's very easy for you to be demotivated by that and think I'm just gonna you know copy and paste something but I use it as a challenge and 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 throughout that I worked there about a year and a half I designed thousands of logos and hundreds of websites. That were a really good experience for me. But the other side of it is somebody else could have just taken that as a negative and think, I've got no creativity in this kind of thing. I saw it as a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's another constraint. Creatives work best under constraints.
0: Yeah, I think there's there's two things that, that stick out um, from that for me is is that it's not necessar- necessarily a negative thing doing the straightforward professional corporate sort of work and that's actually a challenge in itself to kind of rise to that level and be consistent in that level of the idea of having using the kind of side hustle or the hobby to kind of just go nuts with
1: Mm, it it is sometimes i think the key to that is what the client wants because that can both be a uh, an anchor and a cudgel because uh, what the client wants is not necessarily right. Usually, mm, I'd say maybe 80% of the time, what the client wants is not what they want. It's is not what they need. It's not what, what the client wants is what somebody else has got and that's not what they need and that's not why they're hiring you. It comes back to, again, the thing creatives are contrarians. It's somewhat of our job to say, no, that's not what you want. This is what you want. And you're hiring us because we have different ideas. That's why we don't dress like you. That's why we're not like you. That's why you're hiring us. So if you're just going to hire us to just copy somebody else, then just make it yourself or just go on Fiverr or whatever and just get it done over there. If if you're not willing to take a bit of a leap of faith, then it's, it, the project's never really going to turn out right. Um, but that yeah, that's somewhat of a double-edged sword because also you do have to be thinking about what the client wants. So what we're doing is we're making something that's right for the audience. We know what the, the person is gonna end up seeing. We know what the the customer looks like, not the client. So you, you want to target X, Y, or Z client, we're making it for them, we're not making it for you. So there's often a conversation like that that goes on, you know, well, client might say, I don't like pink. Well, it's not whether you don't like pink or not. If your client likes pink, if your customer likes pink, if the audience is gonna like pink, then it's gonna be pink. There's often a conversation like that that has to go on. When you put money into it and when it's a business transaction, there's lots of different things going on psychologically. Yeah, you can have those conversations, but ultimately they're paying you. So they, you can only push so far with those kind of things. But still, that that doesn't limit the opportunity for creativity, I don't think. Like when you said about uh, making a David Fincher video or making a gangster video for a, for a manufacturing client or whatever... Why not? Why can't it be like that? Why can't it be totally different to any, anything else? Why can't you make a, a, you know, a promotion for a, 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 a boring manufacturing company but it looks like seven? Mm-hmm. Why can't you do that? Because then it stands out and it's different and people notice it. Obviously, you know, there's limits to that and it might not always be right. But that's why they're hiring creatives for somebody who says, well, why can't it be like that? They're always going to push back against things like that because they just—they don't understand how we think or what we do. They—they're not why not people. They're no, it can't be. So they, you know, where can do people? There can not people. So there's always going to be that push against what we're doing. I mean, that part of the trick too is finding clients who are willing to take a risk on on stuff like that sometimes but those kind of things it might not always be yeah let's make a video that looks exactly like seven it might only be you know the opening bit of it looks a bit like a david fincher film it doesn't have to be all the way but there's always that opportunity to you know just push a little bit more i've got better at that over the time as being a designer you know 18 plus years you start to push back a little bit more but it is tough at the beginning. I, t- I tweeted something the other day, um, and I think this applies to any creative endeavor. Really, when you've got a client involved, it was about how being a designer is is not really about being a designer. It's about being a uh, a psychologist. It's about being a, a business manager. It's about being a sales manager. It's all, all these other things, you know, team maker. All these. It's more about the psychology and learning how to deal with people than it is just doing the thing Mm -hmm. Um, doing the thing really is is the bonus and if you can go away and make a a beautiful david fincher type video but then you can't get your client to approve it then there wasn't really any point to it in in the first place was
0: there everything you've said considering what do you think is are are the best steps and the 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 key things you need to realize when you're trying to position yourself as a you know, the design practitioner as a design strategist, as a designer that's not just a designer because they know how to use Photoshop and they'll do whatever we tell them to do. Like, again, given your career path and trajectory and being a a creative director. Mm, Somewhat. (laughs) Like, what do you think is key there? Because I think the biggest struggle, one of the biggest struggles in the creative process often comes to the business side, which is, how do I how how do I let the clients just let me be the creative, mm-hmm. and take the reins on that?
1: Money's a side of it. So one thing that I've learned o- over the years is the more a client's willing to pay you, usually the more hands off they are. If you work for a client for twenty quid, they'll be the worst client you've ever had, and ask ask for twenty thousand pounds worth of work. So one side of it is certainly um the amount of money that a client's paying you not something that many people like to talk about, but it's true. Mm-hmm. The better clients mostly are the ones that are paying you decent money and the ones that you want to work for. Um, the, the other side of it, and I think it's something that's not really talked about all that much, is you know, being a contrarian. That requires confidence. So being confident in your opinions and sharing your opinions and not being a yes man. So you, I, I, I'm, you can probably tell I'm, I'm quite combative to some extent i know what i know and i'm going to tell you and you're going to like it or not and there is an element of you needing to be like that as a creative because there there is a i mean i love a bit of a battle i'm quite argumentative and i'll have i'll have a bit of a battle with a client not negative you know not to the point where we're fighting around like that but i will i will defend my opinions Mm -hmm. i will defend my stance because you've asked me to create something that you want me to condense all my experience into this thing and you've asked me to do it so I'm going to defend what I've made for you another thing I always do is only show one idea to a client I only show one idea because this is the perfect idea Mm -hmm. you've asked me to come up with an idea this is the idea, you're not getting choices this is it Um, that was a thing that Paul Rand used to do way back when, years ago decades ago so I, I think key things is price, the thing that no one likes talking about making sure you're getting paid well Number two, confidence, which only comes with time. But an easy way to get around that is not being a yes man. If a client says to you, Um, not so sure about that bit, could we change it? Why? Why are we changing that bit? Well, um, my friend's daughter's auntie didn't like how it looked. Well, we're not doing it for your friend's daughter's auntie, are we? Well... My mum didn't like it either. Well, we're not doing it for your mum either, are we? Those kind of conversations actually having, you know, a bit of tenacity to say, no, no, we're not doing it. It's not right. We're not doing it. Um, and there is limits to that, you know. You can advise, and if they choose not to take your advice, you you they're paying you, you're going to change it. Um, and then uh, I think pr- probably, probably the third thing is learning to take criticism. So, despite mm. what, despite what I said about being confident in your opinions, there is times when you're wrong. Being humble enough to realize when you're wrong, mm-hmm. and being humble enough to realize when a client's got a good idea because they do have some bloody good ideas sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's annoying sometimes when they, when they come out with a, a, <laughs> bet, a better idea than you did, and you just got to exactly go with it and, and suck it add, up, add to it, yeah,
1: suck it up and use it. Because if you can have those conversations with clients and be willing to put them into a creative mode, sometimes they'll solve half of the problem for you. Um, I don't think that this, this, those stuff is really complicated. You'll notice that none of it is about your skill.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The skill stuff comes automatically, I think. If you're practicing, if you're good at what you do, you know you're good at what you do, that comes automatically. It's the other stuff that's hard. It's the other stuff that's hard.
0: I think uh, a key there is Collaboration. With a, and collaborating with a client Absolutely. rather than yeah. switching that switching the situation from pitching and saying you're focusing on on money and saying i'll do it cheaper than this other guy here are all yeah. my best ideas which like you said i love that you mentioned putting your best idea forward rather than here's my best idea then here's a bunch of other ideas that i'm i don't like but i'm going to throw them in there yeah and, you know why are you showing why it? would we do that yeah and then not doing those things, and then just having the confidence to turn around and change that situation from being a pitch to just being a conversation, and yeah. it being a two-way thing. And some, sometimes there's a bit of work in, you know, helping helping a client realise that that they are actually in a two-way conversation, unless they are the type of client that, again, like you said, have got a twenty quid budget, they know exactly what they want, which far exceeds that budget, and they don't want to listen to your opinions. You know, you don't want that client. You want someone who's it might take a bit of work to get them to this mindset but they're willing to sit down and have a conversation with you and let you kind of do some discovery on what they actually want because because i think you hit the nail on the head earlier with you should never take it at face value what a client asks for because they probably don't actually want that Mm -hmm. and you can take that on board and say all right that yeah that's what you want so in the back of your mind, you completely ignore what they've just said and then you <laughs> dig into it more and you s- to find out what they actually want, not just what their pain points are in terms of, again, like you mentioned, you have to be like a bit of a strategist as well. There's an ultimate end goal to what you're doing. But what do they actually want creatively and what ideas have they got? But then why have they chosen you for your creative not mm. you know, skill set, mindset? And then just kind of having that exploration rather than Uh, coming to some sort of conclusion together and then having a better working relationship rather than here's a budget for it here's the exact idea i want do the same as what this guy did and you know don't have an opinion because i don't want to listen to it yeah you won't do that with any other trade i think as creatives there's a lot of work to do to kind of reverse years and years of just being approached as a professional not a professional like you said who just has to be suit and tie but someone who fucking knows what they're talking about and someone who you're approaching for their ideas for their skill set and for their mindset as well mm, I,
1: absolutely I, I i am a consummate professional and genius division or a team of professionals a team of experienced professionals and if you're not i don't want to work with you basically and I, I think those things i said those three things and what you just said all of that is made easier if you make the decisions before that better. So, actually, say no to clients you don't want to work with. In terms of pitching scenarios, if we're going for a tender, or if we're—I don't do pitching at all, at all. I flat refuse to do it. But if we're going for a tender or any kind of exploratory process, I won't show design work. I won't give them my ideas. And if if I know that they've contacted 10 other companies. I'm not interested. I want to work with people that know who we are, that have been recommended to us, that want to work with us because it's us. Anybody else, I'm, I'm not particularly interested. I may give them a price, but I won't spend too much time on it. Because what's the point? Because you're already making the job difficult for yourself to, to hit those other things on the head. I want people to know how much we charge already, what we're like to work with, all those kind of things. I get all those conversations out up front. And then in those situations, you know what they're going to be like to work with. Mm-hmm. If they're coming to you and saying, yeah, I really want to definitely do this thing, probably not going to be the right client unless you can change the mind before you've started working with them. Um, I, I, I think a, a, a lot of creatives, they're they're very... Uh, they're very scared of talking about business and money and not getting dicked on basically by people in suits and ties who are very good at hammering people down on price and they're very good at making people feel small who aren't business professionals well not professional let's remove that word who, who are not business people by default Their default state is being creative So it's on us sometimes to get a bit better at that kind of thing. Otherwise, we get tread on by people uh, who don't think like us, but want to get the other side of what we do, the creative side of it. So it's, it's a tough challenge. It's a tough challenge.